He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. May the meditation of our thoughts and the words of my mouth be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It is Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday is the last Sunday before we move into Advent. As most of you know, the church has always believed that Christ the King will return to judge all people and the new creation, the age to come, will be ushered in, in and through that judgment, as a matter of fact. Just a few comments about judgment. Judgment does not only mean condemnation. So when we hear the word judgment in Scripture, it can mean a variety of things. It does not always mean condemnation. As a matter of fact, judgment can be positive. It can be positive because judgment can also include the sense of vindication or salvation of the innocent and of the righteous, even repaying those who are oppressed or abused or trampled upon in this life, which Jesus will do in his judgment because we have many passages about repayment and the last will be first and the first will be last. There will be a settling of injustice, injustices by the judge. And therefore, judgment has a goal. The goal of judgment for God is the setting right of all people and all things in this world according to the truth and according to love. So then... Judgment is a revelation. It is the great revealing of the truth of all persons, their hearts, and their lives. The truth of everything in this world, its ways, its systems, its power plays. The world and the people of this world only temporarily escape the revelation of judgment. And the final verdict according to the word and truth of the King, Jesus Christ. That is an awesome reality. Something that we believe and hold dear. Because eventually, this is God's world which will be set right by God. And it will be glorious. Just to show you that judgment is used in different ways, in John's Gospel, the third chapter, Jesus says, And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. This is the revelation of truth. The light has come, but people love darkness and evil more than God's light. Amazing. Judgment is used just a couple of chapters later in John's gospel this way. Jesus the king says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under the judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is judgment in terms of condemnation. Those who believe and put their faith and trust in Christ, who is the life, who is the light, 
they are no longer condemned, but we do go through a judgment. And so, of course, we quoted two passages from the Apostle John. And John would remind us that to believe in his own language is to have faith and trust in Jesus, the Christ, who is eternal life, and also to love your brother and your sister to show that, in fact, you love God. So it's not an easy believism that we have in John's gospel either. So then Christ will judge. Christ will reveal the truth. Will reveal love and faith and trust in God. Christ will reveal uh, the love and the good acts done toward our neighbors. Christ comes as the judge also to reveal the injustice to be set right in his kingdom. To reveal the rejection of God, to reveal the evil deeds against God and against the neighbor, to reveal the evil schemes and plans and evil systems of the world, and finally to reveal and condemn the evil angelic powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God and all the persons who have settled their heart and will against God against love, and against their neighbor. So, those people cannot enter the kingdom. There can't be a kingdom with those people and those powers still hanging around opposing God. Well, all life, all persons, all history, all deeds, all the thoughts of our hearts, all peoples, all angelic powers will move through the judgment of the king. And secondly, the judgment has to do with how we are related to the king. The king is revealed in the judgment. And either you are related to the king in faith and trust and love and good deeds to the neighbor, or you are revealed as opposed to God, rejecting and refusing the love and the kingdom and the light of God. And so that's the revelation. It's either one or the other. And God, only God knows who is on which side. This judgment uh, that we are looking at today has to do with how we are related to the king. This is God's world. Jesus is God's king. He actually came in order to save and redeem this world. So we're reminded that the king himself actually was a part of the creation of this universe and the world that we know today. The king has joined himself with this creation forever in order to save and restore it. The king has become human in order to heal and cleanse and restore our humanity and raise it up that it may rightly participate with the divine presence and glory of God, that we would become children of light. And also, especially spoken about in this passage, the king is related to every person on the planet. And to do good to even the lowest person by cultural estimations, whatever culture you belong to, because every culture has certain 
uh, estimations in a pecking order of who they think is the highest and the lowest. But everyone who does something good or kind to even the lowest in our cultural estimations, nation by nation, is actually to do something good for the king himself. It is to do it to Jesus himself. So judgment has to do with how we are related to the king. The question of this Christ the Sunday is, how are you related to the king Jesus? And of course, I know and trust that you're related to him in faith, trust, and the living out of that faith in good deeds. Finally, again, in love, in love, this king will separate by judgment and condemnation those created spiritual and human persons who refuse the love and the kingdom of God's king. There has to be a judgment for there to be the age to come, a new creation. If you want to call it heaven, that's fine, but there has to be judgment before there is this. Now, in our gospel today, the judgment of the king has to do with how people are related to the king himself by their actual deeds. This is a very uh, complicated passage, uh, and, um, but we can take a few things away from it. One of the most striking features of this teaching is that there is a favorable judgment for those who by their life of good acts towards their neighbors, especially their vulnerable neighbors, uh, because of those good acts, ultimately, they are done to the king himself And they get the blessing. They get the call into the kingdom of the Father. The strange thing is they didn't even know they were doing good deeds to the king. Some people actually believe that this is not about the judgment of Christians, this particular passage. But we won't get bogged down in that today. Now, the opposite is present in this passage also. Those who neglected the neighbor especially the vulnerable neighbors. They didn't know what they were doing at all. And because they neglected the vulnerable neighbor, guess what? They neglected the king himself. And they are not blessed by the father. And they are condemned. Mother Teresa is, of course, known for love and good deeds. And someone who knows her very well is a man named Father Paul Murray. He's a Irish Dominican, and he was a sometimes spiritual advisor to Mother Teresa. Uh, one day, he was having a deep conversation with Mother Teresa, and he was wondering, probably way up here in his rational mind, about the sources of her spirituality and mission. Mother Teresa, after a while in this conversation, asked Father Paul Murray to simply lay out his hands on the table before him. Mother Teresa came and touched each finger, and she said, you did it to me. You did it to me. She was bringing Father Paul out of the realm of the rational and the theoretical, deeply down in the spiritual reality that as we serve our vulnerable neighbors. We are doing it to the King Jesus. Amazing. 
You know, one of the most common dreams that uh, everyone has is where we show up to school or work and all of a sudden we're faced with a test that we didn't prepare for. Has anybody ever had that dream? I mean, almost everyone has had that dream. You, uh, you show up and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't know about this. And there's fear and trepidation. Well, for weeks now, if you've been uh, at church or uh, streaming online, you have heard about preparation, have you not? Uh, we have to make sure that there's oil in the lamp so we can greet the bridegroom. And that oil in the lamps are deeds of mercy. And uh, the reason the five maidens couldn't give their oil to the other five maidens is because it had to do with their own deeds of mercies. You can't give your deeds of mercy to someone else. And then we're called to use our talents, the talents God has given us with creativity and with effort to bring a fruitful profit to the king when he comes to settle accounts. So after hearing this parable or teaching about judgment, how do we prepare to meet the king? Who is our judge? Well, we're going to just run through a whole list of things quickly, but we're going to start at the very beginning. Now, this is basics, but uh, it's something that I think that we should do. It all starts with repentance and not even faith and trust. Because the good news was repent and believe. Repentance is the turning away from the world, idols, self to God. And repentance is the turning away and turning towards God. And that happens before or in connection with faith and trust. And repentance is not a one-time action. It is a lifetime action because we know that our entire life we are in the process of turning away from this world, the ways of this world, the idols of this world, turning away from our very selves in order to turn to God and to Christ and his commands and his love. So repentance is the beginning of being prepared to meet the king. Well, obviously, faith and trust are something that we understand. We have placed our faith and trust in God, in Christ, that in his death and resurrection and his burial, all of the, the events that we know as Christians, that our salvation is all wrapped up in that event and in that person, the person of Christ, who is our very Savior. The next thing is... I'm just simply quoting Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. We are called to be humble. We are called to be prepared to meet the king as those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who have humbled themselves before God and before others, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In terms of forgiveness... We don't ask for forgiveness just once from God. We don't see that uh, somehow forgiveness is always something in the past. Forgiveness is something that we need to ask over and over again. When we gather, every time we gather, we ask for God's forgiveness. Why? Because we continue to fail and to stumble. 
there will be besetting sins, probably, that you will need to ask forgiveness for for the rest of your life till your dying day. But God is faithful and just to forgive us our, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must continue to ask for forgiveness. We trust in God's mercy and forgiveness in Christ. It's a way of life for Christians. We're also called to forgive others. We do not want to meet the king and face the judgment if we have not forgiven everyone of everything and release them. Forgiving others is at the very center of our call as Christians. It is even a part of that short prayer that Jesus taught us. Be sure and ask for forgiveness, but oh, by the way, ask it and also forgive others. They're connected to one another. Another admonition of Jesus is be merciful. Let us cultivate a merciful heart towards one another because Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful for they will receive mercy. The king promises mercy to all those who are merciful. We've been baptized into the body of Christ. We know Christ in one another as members of the body of Christ, and we love and we serve one another. But we also serve those who are outside of the body of Christ, and it doesn't really even matter. They're the neighbor. They're the vulnerable ones. There's the ones who need God's love and care, and we seek to serve and to meet those needs also because we care about them, but also we have the revelation that Christ is in those people. And that's why outreach is such a central part of every Christian endeavor because it is simply the living out of our faith and trust and love of God. And now we know, or maybe we know in a deeper way, that in fact, everyone that we reach out to involves reaching out to Christ himself. And so... In these ways, we can prepare to meet Christ our King and our Judge. I will conclude with this. In Matthew's Gospel, right after the words that are our Gospel today, the Gospel of the Judgment, the very next words say this. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. The king would then ascend to the throne of the cross and be crucified for the salvation of the world. This king loves you. This king loves you and he loves me. This king will fulfill God's kingdom. He will call all the blessed of the Father into his very kingdom. And we will be amazed at the beauty and the love and the glory of that kingdom. So we must seek the king. Love the Lord Jesus, who is our king and our judge. But also... Love the neighbor. 
Love Christ in your neighbor. Love the face of Christ even in your enemy. Well, judgment awaits. Christ the King awaits as our judge. Maybe we simply need to say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. How are you related to the King? Amen.